Hello, and welcome to Ghostlight, podcast of the Little Theater of Norfolk. I'm Nina. And I'm BA, and we are your humble hosts for today. Before we get started on today's topic, as per usual, we want to take a look at our community calendar. I love that at this point in time we can say as per usual and it actually feels like it means something. I know. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to the first couple episodes where we were like, as usual, for the first time ever. <laughs> Back when we didn't know what we were doing. We still don't know what we're doing. I mean, don't I, lie to people. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not lying. We just, we knew less what we were doing. We knew, we knew, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, community calendar. Uh, LTN still has our script clubs going. Um, if all else doesn't fail on me, which, um, you know, today's been a better IT day than yesterday was. Uh, hopefully this episode will air on September 30th, um, which means the next script club that you will be able to catch uh, that we currently have scheduled out as of this recording, um, will be Lysistrata by Aristophanes. Yeah, we're taking it way back, y'all. Um, first half will be on November 5th, second half on November 12th. They should be at 7 p.m. Uh, if you can't make it, you can catch the recordings on YouTube. Um, so come and talk to us about how to make people do what you want them to do by boycotting their sex lives. Um, yeah. It's going to be fun. Uh, again, Script Club is a co-production with Little Theater of Norfolk and Peninsula Community Theater. Uh, so catch us online. And if you, um, by the time this comes out, we may have something that's in the works for October. Um, yeah, hopefully. Confirmed. Uh, so check our website, ltnonline.org, for more information there. Uh, we also have, continuing with the Tidewater Bluegrass Association, Tuesdays. From 7 to 9 p.m., they are in LTN's parking lot, as long as the weather holds, which this is September, so we're starting to get a little icky. Um, there will be others throughout the area as well. More information, changes, and cancellations will be on their Facebook page. So watch the weather and watch their Facebook page for that. Yep, and just hopefully we get to keep the nice weather for longer, and we can do a bunch of them in October as well. Um, I know most of the time, all of the... All of the Halloweens I can remember in Norfolk, I've it's been like 80 degrees, and I've been able to wear whatever costume I want, so, so I feel like we might be able to get through October. No, I, I mean, I think temperature-wise we'll be fine. It's just we do start getting a little more rain than... So. More rain than right now with Norfolk flooding every I mean, other day? Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, for whatever reason, I just always in Virginia. I think of fall as like the rainy, rainy season. Yeah. Well, because like in November, I, I, there's a rain a lot, and I just catch myself singing the cold November rain. I got nothing. I'm just saying <laughs> it's like the end Stop of looking August. At me like that, Nick. That was amazing. I'm not. I'm not really certain why, but the end of August 2020 decided to be uh, Norfolk floods 2020. Uh, like, I don't know if the, the weather decided to have its own festival, maybe. I don't know. Well, and I mean, at the time of this recording, Hurricane Laura hit um, the Gulf Coast in uh, southwest Louisiana. They're saying the strongest hurricane to have hit that in over a century. And she's headed this way. So we're not entirely sure what we're going to get off of her right now. Yeah, it's interesting because in theory, they downgraded her to a tropical storm around the time she hit like the Arkansas um, border. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like... Arkansas had a tropical storm, y'all. Like, well, so what makes me nervous about it is I'm I'm from Nelson County, and the track is eerily similar to Camille in 1969, which was may not have even still been a tropical storm by the time she hit um, 
she hit Nelson. This one is tracking much further west, though, so, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't wish it on anybody else, but, I mean, Camille was awful, so we don't want that to happen again. Yeah, I know um, my dad was saying that right now there's uh, there's something coming from, like, Michigan that's kind of holding it, ho- oh. holding the storm lower because the, like, Pennsylvania area is getting whatever this storm from is that's coming from Michigan. Oh, um, so that's that's going to affect it Well, by the time, in some way, shape, or form. By the time you hear this, whatever was going to happen will have happened, so we hope yeah. everybody's safe. That's the thing. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have class in the park tomorrow. Maybe we won't. That's like my <laughs> life. Uh, so yeah, uh, Catnip Cafe, uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, is still open Friday through Monday. Wrap your head around that for a minute. Uh, time is meaningless. Um, they are open from 12 to 5 p.m. Um, and as always, be on the lookout for special kitten events. I want to go so bad. I, I need to take a look. It's typically on Sundays. We need to see if they're doing it. I know. And we can take pictures and like post them. I know. And I can be totally ADHD with the kittens <laughs> because I don't take my meds on Sundays. <laughs> well, the, I mean, kittens are obligatorily ADHD themselves. I so know. <laughs> we'll get along so well. <laughs> Okay, anyway. uh, Muse classes are continuing. Uh, check out their website for more information. They've got a lot of great writing classes. Uh, a lot are online. I don't, are they having any in person? Do we know? I So on their website, as of a few minutes ago, I did see some that said uh, Muse Writer Center and some that said Internet. So okay. that tells me that there may be some actually physically in the building now, um, which We're- means there's a good chance that by the end of September, if everything holds, there may be some in the building. Um, like I said, we're about four weeks out, so it's the end of August. Um, if, if we find them, we'll, we'll let you know, but hopefully fingers crossed, we're, we're starting to get to more of a kind of half-assed normal. Um, Yeah, I'll, um, I'll be a better host and make a note to reach out to Mike over at Muse and see if we can We should just have him on. Oh, there you go. That works. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, if you're listening to this, call us. We want to have you on the (laughs) podcast. Um. But yeah, uh, Push Comedy Theater has a whole ton of digital offerings. They've got classes and workshops online. Uh, no telling if four weeks out they will be able to be back in person at all. Uh, but throw them some love. Uh, they are they have been trying to do the right thing this whole time, and they've really been kind of leading on the on the how to perform safely end of things. Um, which is amazing, and, and we love your, those guys. Keep your eyes out for the 666 project that should be dropping the end of October, I believe. Yes, it comes out sometime in October. It is fully recorded this year. So, yeah, fun times. It's usually a good time. This time it'll be a good time online. <laughs> uh, I want to give a shout-out to Spotlight News. Check out their latest articles. They're also looking for writers. If you have an idea for a piece, please let them know, and that is spotlightnews.hr uh spotlight hr so it's for bleh, let's just start that again uh on facebook uh, facebook <laughs> what did you just say <laughs> apparently there's a facebook for chickens now and it's called facebook <laughs> anyway um so on facebook it's at spotlight hr news um on the online you can find us at spotlightnews.press um, and you can email us at spotlighthrnews at gmail.com. Sorry. So, yeah. Information, guys. Find, the, uh, find us if you like to write uh, things. Um, 
we don't pay, but you can kind of write whatever you want. So as long as it's kind of community related, come at me. Um. <laughs> uh, now we want to give a shout out to some other podcasts in the area. Uh, first one is going to be How Embarrassing, a podcast about all of our embarrassing lives with Molly and Jeff. Uh, there's some push folks over there. The website for that is HTTPS colon backslash backslash all that good stuff. How embarrassing, all one word, dot L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. Fun times. We've also got the Ghost Light Theater, hashtag no relation, uh, featuring haunting poems, plays, and other tales brought back to life by Alvin Bowling II. Um, and if you go to allmylinks.com slash the ghost light theater pod, you should be able to find them. Um, and also don't forget about Tell Me About Your Bike with Wesley Cheney. He was our community feature a few episodes back. Um, you can find him uh, on most of your podcasting sites. So like wherever you're listening to us, just search for him. <laughs> Uh, we also want to give a plug to our friend John Roberts' YouTube channel, Proscenium Audio. Uh, he did our presentation of The Raven a couple weeks back, and he's been doing some Audio 101 videos, and I believe the latest dropped today, which is August 28th, so it's been up for a while. Yeah. So check out his channel on YouTube, Proscenium Audio, and I believe LTN's probably uh, pushing those links as well. So if you check out so. Facebook, we can, you may also be able to find them. Yeah. I just, can we talk for a minute about how it's August 28th and I really, like, don't know why I have to pay rent again? <laughs> like, what happened to August? I Yeah. I, it's in my mind it's just like wait summer's like i mean like summer doesn't end in virginia until october 15th but it's still just like this is like the official end of summer with school and everything you're just like where did summer go oh yeah we had to stay in our houses the whole time i'm just really not certain what happened to like august 3rd through august 25th like i feel like august 25th was the first day of august i was truly aware of and that's a problem Anyway, uh, time is an illusion. Time is an illusion in the apocalypse. Um, so, uh, community thanks. Otherwise, uh, LTN needs to give a shout out to the Norfolk Commission for the Arts, the Business Consortium for Arts Support, and the Retain Your Rain Project, all of whom have been attempting to assist with keeping us open, um, which is super appreciated. The Retain Your Rain Project specifically uh, is attempting to assist with getting some of the water we've been talking about. Um, away from our building just you know anywhere but in our foundation and to some um, pretty plants that need it yes uh so you know um uh, maybe by the time you hear this we will have gotten to the point where it is reasonable enough outside for us to hold a work call and actually do the outdoor work that it needs to be done to at least get the the barrels and stuff in and y'all can if you're local come around and take a look at the work that they're helping us do. Um, at the moment, it is too hot for that. Yeah, we don't want anybody falling out of taking the hospital. You don't want to be in the hospital right now. No, like the, the goal in the apocalypse is just avoid the ER and, um, yeah. Uh, hydrate. Hydrate. Do, do that even now when you're not at home. Hydrate. I know I'm I know we were it. supposed to be avoiding, like, injury and stuff, but I already screwed that one up, so. Like, I did, you know, we're all drinking more. That doesn't count as hydration, so. That it doesn't. Have some water. Today's and podcast it's, it's was beer. brought to you by the letter V for <laughs> victory, sour monkey, monkey sour triple. 
Which B.A. had to explain to me what a triple was. I still don't I, quite get I, it, but it's okay. Oh, they're wonderful. You it's, need to like. So Nina's not a, a, a big beer person. I don't really like hops. Like I, I like wheat beers, although, you know, that's all about the gluten, so I really shouldn't be having those. Um, but this is a sour, and I do like sours, but this is this is not as sour as some we've had. No, it's a, it's a sour triple. So you've got the souriness of a sour, but you've also got that. Ooh, the triple gives, and it's awesome. Now, this um, is not the same sour monkey we've had, like, over at Torch, right? We, there was a sour monkey, and I don't think this was it. This is not the same beer, but no. it might be the same company. I would think so. I, think so. I mean, like... I don't remember much from before so there's March. A little, there's Ooh. a little trademark thingy here after the sour monkey, so I'm going to guess... Yeah, no, it's 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 very possible that the that the sour monkey that we have had at Torch is related, um, but it's been a long time since I've been in Torch, which yeah. makes me sad. Um, we should probably move on to happier topics. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, for our main topic today, uh, we have a special guest who has come all the way back to Norfolk. Um, he was doing that anyway. He didn't know he was going to be on the podcast until he got here. <laughs> we, we just voluntold him. <laughs> kind of. Gonna... Uh, so, uh, we have Nick Thornburg with us here today, um, to talk about, uh, the not pipeline between community theater and professional theater. So it's navigating the not quite a pipeline from volunteer to career. Um, we know that pipeline isn't the greatest word. Um, basically, what we were discussing before now was it's more like a Jackson Pollock painting than a pipeline um, because it's all messed up and you kind of go back and forth for a while. Or a but, very uh, complicated yo-yo trick. Oh yeah, that, it's like that's a, a good one. I it's like an last, around the that's world. That's why I hadn't said anything yet because I was busy thinking that up. Oh. There we go, love it. Um, so yeah, so for those people who do not know Nick, how about we get you to uh, tell us a little about yourself so that people know who they're they're talking to? Hi, my name is uh, Nicholas Thornburg. I am uh, a Hampton Roads native, but I moved away a couple of years ago. Um, I started my theatrical theatrical career there. You're yep. cut off. All right, that's fair. No, that's fair. No, it's it's cool. We started a podcast, and I can't talk. So, <laughs> you know what's really funny though, listeners? Y'all might not know this, but um, I've just been sitting here in awe for about the past ten minutes, watching Nina and Ba trade off talking because. In real life, for those of you who aren't closely acquainted with them, they talk over each other pretty much nonstop. Do we? Yeah. That's definitely the ADHD on my end. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> you I guys mean, have same. I don't know what my problem is. Y'all have skills. <laughs> you can really turn it on. I mean, maybe it's just like we have zero respect for each other. We just have zero respect for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we get the point across. It's you know. Fine. We haven't we haven't hurt each other yet intentionally so yeah no <laughs> there's always consent <laughs> uh, let me give you a pickup for that because <laughs> I think I took it all off the rails a couple minutes ago oh we do that all the time it's yeah. part of the podcast you're good welcome to Ghostlight <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> welcome to Ghostlight the podcast of what were we talking about <laughs> Such a surprise I didn't know I was going to be doing this. <laughs> Um, I began my theatrical career, if you want to call it that, at the Little Theater of Norfolk in 2002. I started out as an actor, um, because everyone does, and, uh, it's true though. I, uh, I, uh, then I started helping out building sets, and I liked it, and got 
kind of good at it, I guess. And then I sort of fell bass awkward into an internship at the Virginia Stage Company due to some acquaintances that I had made through community theater and um, never stopped building scenery. And I've, uh, I've since been a technical director, a production manager for several companies. I've been across the country a couple of times. I currently reside in Cleveland, Ohio, where up until <laughs> March or so, there was a lot of theatrical work. Not so much the case these days, but... Uh, I mean, I feel like that's true of everywhere. Yeah. Well, and so, so since, you know, the world caught fire, what have you been doing? I'm so glad you asked, Nina. <laughs> I have pivoted to designing and building furniture and custom decor. Nice. Yeah. I still haven't figured out the algorithm of how to attract the class of clientele who can afford my work, but... Um, I feel like you'll get there. We'll get there, yeah. And I mean, let's 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 be honest about how this isn't like something you just started doing. When we were living together, you had designed and built most of the furniture in our apartment. It's ironic because uh, the company that I have sort of had no choice but to start in the past couple of months is one that I tried to start seven years ago when BA and I were roommates. Full disclosure, and. Um, I feel like there's a lot more to that full disclosure, but anyway. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but anyway. I have no this idea what su- they're talking about. This is saying. supposed to be an all-ages podcast, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, okay, and good. And now so, people are going to think, like, what are so they we'll talking cut the, about? All three of us are naked right now. <laughs> that is actually not true. No. Only one of us is naked. You get to figure out who. <laughs> So I was building furniture, right? I'm touching my nose right now, just so you guys know. Not it. Uh, Fun times. Anyway, so you're building furniture. Please don't do that while naked. Just saying. Oh, no, I never do. Okay, good. That'd be like cooking bacon while naked. Not a good idea. No, I, uh, the closest I came to working naked. You know what? We'll save this story for later in the podcast. Okay, cool. Um. (laughs) I was there for that story. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be the hardest podcast for anyone to follow. Um, We all, so the three of us have been working together since what? Uh, Working was Since the earth cooled. Right. That was 2000. Working was like 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. I was cast in 2008, I would say. 2009. I feel like it was 2008. Regardless, like the three of us have been working together for over 10 years. So it's going to be really interesting to see whether anyone can follow this conversation once I go to edit it together. That's your problem. Yep. <laughs> um, so you're building furniture. Yeah. I. Uh, the ironic thing is that I started or attempted to start a business designing and building furniture seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, at which time I still had, you know, day jobs and evening jobs and early morning jobs and late night jobs. Let's face it. When you're in theater, your jobs are... A day job is something that you long for. Please refer back to our prior episode on the gig economy. Yeah, it was literally the last episode we posted. So just like if you haven't listened to episode seven yet, listen to that first, then come back in here. I haven't listened to that one. I it's really because I should have done my homework. Edited it together yet? It hasn't been released yet. Oh, okay. This is well, for then... them. They they they'll have listened to it because this will be released two weeks after it. Okay. That's that's future audience that we're talking to. Well, let's make an agreement right now that every time over the next I don't know hour or so that I make an ass out of myself, you just edit that out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna. No. <laughs> Fine. It's our, it's, it's our artistic yeah. license. Don't okay, tell us okay. what to do. <laughs> so, the, uh, hmm. so the ironic thing was that I had tried to start a business doing custom furniture and decor about seven years ago, at which time I still had day jobs and night jobs and early morning jobs. jobs, all the different jobs. Because when you work in theater and you're in the gig economy, that's how it go. Um, and I didn't really have the time to contribute that one needs, you know, to start a business, which is what I realized after the fact I was attempting to do. So it sort of just sat fallow for a while. I built myself a website and it gradually got overtaken by my theatrical work as I just continued to do that. Um, and one of the things that COVID has given me the opportunity to do is start this business like properly. Nice. Cause there's, I got nothing better going on. Yeah. No, I mean, what better time to learn to build a website and start a business and all that stuff, but in the middle of a pandemic when you can't do the things that you usually get paid to do, says the person who picked up a uh, gig designing a friend's website in July. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's talk about how long have we talked about, not this particular podcast, but a podcast, and it's just we sort of didn't have time, and then all of a sudden we're like, well, we got nothing else going on. Let's a, try it. <laughs> there's a microphone. Let's see you know, what's the worst that can happen. And that's literally, like, we literally were like, oh, microphone, Amazon, and we just got lucky, y'all. Like, we attempted to, uh, to like, research them, but we, we were just like, this one is in our price range. Let's try it. <laughs> I mean, and uh, to be honest, I've, I've seen people doing podcasts on their phone, so... We did. We, we, we very much took the, you know, opinion that we're like, well, the first couple may be kind of bad, but okay. Yeah, that's the thing. We can All delete right. them if they're that bad. <laughs> no, that was, that was literally, we did not know, and you can probably tell if you listen to episodes two through four, we were not entirely certain that the audio that we were recording would ever get used for anything. Um, and I feel like if you go back and listen to it, there's a lot of, um, what's that called? Like imposter syndrome. Like oh, we're going, yeah. oh, this is probably just crap and nobody will ever hear this. And then it's like, oh, this just became three podcast episodes. Cool, yo. You two are selling yourselves short. It's it's a very good podcast. I've been – y'all haven't heard this, but I have been gushing to BA and Nina for the last week and a half about this podcast and how good I think it is. I don't want to say that I'm surprised um, <laughs> because I know how talented you both are. But, but we're um, surprised, so <laughs> – and I'm surprised by proxy. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, it's a thing. Where it's like I'm, I'm listening to the the last episode we dropped, and that you know, that ugh, that awful microphone. I cannot apologize enough for that awful microphone in that episode. I'm like, future BA, who at the time of this recording is now past BA, apologized for the microphone already, yeah. so we don't have to talk about it but again. I was just like, I listened to it. I'm like, live and learn. You know, it's a thing. Okay. So how we used community theater to get to professional work. So Nick gave us kind of a, um, a uh, basic primer in how he did it in his bio, essentially, um, when he was talking about himself. <laughs> Which I very much enjoy doing, so I can go into more detail if you need. I mean, it's cool. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those things where like... Well, thanks I, for having me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so but let's let's i mean let's let's cover a little bit like this isn't it's not like what i'm saying is it's not like it's like a um it's not a uncommon thing to happen um especially in this because like nina you you kind of did the same thing mm -hmm. um, um yeah i had um 
I mean, I think primarily, like, I, I definitely had stage management experience in community theater, but I, I had been doing a lot more of, um, like, production, behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, lighting design, running running light board a lot, um, gen- generic crew, too, um, uh, particularly with, um, I mean, now's a good time to address, uh, LTN, uh, stage management is set up sort of, I guess it's Broadway style, where the stage manager actually is backstage. A lot of other places, they are in a booth out in the house, um, which because I'm a control freak, and so I don't like that as much. If something's going wrong, I want to be able to get at it. Well, that's why you have assistant stage managers, which we don't always have, so that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, because whether you're in the booth at the back of the house or at a desk backstage, the stage manager can't leave the desk. <laughs> you can't leave the desk. You watch me. I mean, you, you can if you have to. It's just not the greatest idea. The point is you to... You oughtn't leave the desk. Well, yeah. The point is to have an ASM who can do that running for you so you don't have to get off headset and you can continue calling the show. Well, sometimes mm-hmm. you have but, an ASM and it just doesn't work out. Um, yeah, no, that's, and that's, that's community theater. The point is that everyone is learning. That's not always just community theater. <laughs> well, when you're paying someone, you can fire them if they're that you know uh but yeah so, so anyway my first i guess professional gig was then stage management up at you know corporate level events um well i've done technically a show as well um and i think we, you know we'll discuss at some point that that corporate theme park is is very different from straight theater um and i segued that into teching at the same place and that's where you know i picked up my ice my ice maintenance skills. Um, <laughs> so you figured out one skill from our trailer. <laughs> um, and I was also, I've done various other events for various things, a, a lot with like security, because that, uh, that kind of overlaps with, with the events at a, at a park. And um, the stage management for the symphony, um, which is a completely different animal. But there are, I mean, there are, Basic things, you're there to answer everybody's question all the time. Symphony stage management's a trip, man. Like, (laughs) I was the artist liaison for the symphony, so I only had to deal with the guest artist most of the time, but, like, I also would just help out backstage because I'm there, and a lot of times the guest artists wanted to be left alone in their dressing room, so I'm just like, cool, I'll be here if you need me. Um, And, yeah, symphony, just basically, like, running a symphony show in general is just a whole another animal if you're used to, to to like musicals or straight theater or whatever <laughs> yeah there's because i mean with the stage management it's very much there reaches a point where you are in charge uh, that doesn't really happen <laughs> symphony. no like you you basically get a symphony going and then it's like a moving train it's yeah. gonna happen and it's not gonna stop until the conductor stops waving the stick because like it's like, yeah. did you see that cartoon it was like a person they walk up to the conducting stand and they pick up the baton and they do this. And then it shows like the next panel is from the other side and you see what is written on the paper. And instead of like music, it just says wave stick until music stops, then yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how conducting works. No, no, no. Unless you have a like guest conductor from your donor base, in which case that's actually how conducting works. Um, it's funny. Uh, that's yeah. interesting to hear about these. I think the symphony is the only uh, arts organization in Hampton Roads that I had not worked with directly. Yeah, I know they're they're super fun. I had a good time when I was working for the symphony. Like we had, had a really a cool good group crew. of people. Like yeah. we had we had a good staff, but I had a good time. I learned a lot. I used to be a deck ape at the Sandler Center, and when there was always a fun time whenever they came through. 
Yeah, I know. We had some good times. Um, but yeah, and so I kind of did the opposite thing. Um, I started working in theater by getting paid um, as my work study in college and then went into it as a career. And once I found uh, Norfolk and stuck around for a while, um, I started volunteering in community theaters kind of to fill in uh, some places that I wasn't getting paid for. Um, so I started doing things like lighting design um, and eventually got enough lighting designs under my belt that I got paid to be a lighting designer. And I was like, oh, hey, that's cool. Um, and so now I do like things like scenic design um, and apparently running the place. That's super <laughs> fun. I'll figure that out later. <laughs> that's one of the things that I, I think... And I don't know what it's like in other communities, but the thing about Hampton Roads Community Theater that always struck me is there is, I mean, you know, we, we sort of snicker when we use the word pipeline because it's not a direct pipeline, but there really is a connection there. Like you meet people and you make acquaintances because professionals do come through the community theater spaces in Hampton Roads. And there, and there are opportunities uh, for people who want to seize them to move up out of community theater and into the professional world. And a lot of people continue to go back and forth their entire lives and mm -hmm. just learn new stuff in community. Th it's free college, basically. Yeah. It's kind of like a game of shoots and ladders but yeah, exactly. with your yeah. career. <laughs> we are coming up with such great similes today. We're good at this. Shoots and ladders, Jackson Pollock, yo-yos. One of these things is not like the other. We need a third game. I don't know. I think just throwing paint at stuff sounds like a great game to me. But <laughs> Our, You know, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I, I'm on your team now. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So we all, you know, we all play the game where we game. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you know, where we jump between your professional world, your volunteer world. Um, there's a lot of stuff where, you know, like Nick said, it's it's essentially like free college in in performing arts specifically, you know, you can go and you can study all these things, but especially on the technical end of things, you're, it's going to be very hard for you to get jobs without actual experience physically doing the thing. Um, you can sit in a classroom and you can learn all you want about the names of the tools until you have held a cirque saw and attempted to cut a piece of wood and felt it kind of kick back on you when you start it. You don't know how to use a cirque saw. Um, you all can cut this out if you want to, but I'm going to say right now, if you're interested in a career in technical theater, do not study it in college. Do not, don't major in it at the very least. Like find a, find a community theater and avail yourself of it because seriously, half of what you're paying for if you study technical theater is just the opportunity to put your hand to the tools. Well, and I feel like it's like one of those things you can say measure twice, cut once as many times as you want. Until you until actually, until you mess it up and have to go out and buy a new board and bring <laughs> it back, and yep. you're just like, there, there, and it happens. I mean, it's gonna happen. Like if you yeah. if you work in technical theater, specifically if you work in carpentry, you're gonna have that moment where your your inattentive kind of kicks in because you're paying attention to all of the other things like not chopping your fingers off which is a good thing to pay attention which, to which is an important thing to pay attention to but it means that you weren't quite paying attention to whether you made that mark at the two or the you know eight and it just you know all of a sudden you're like uh, okay and that was your last board and you're like and i'm done uh, i remember when i was teching uh, there were some folks actually higher up than me and you know we're we're cutting 
We're cutting two by fours and uh, three quarter ply for flats, but that's another story. Um, Yeesh. Yes. That's a choice. <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they would go, they're like, why, why are you taking so long to measure? I'm like, because we're running out of lumber and I don't <laughs> want to do this again. <laughs> like, you, you'd like, it hurts my heart to just if throw aside a piece of two by four because I screwed it up. If you're making flats out of two by four and three quarter inch plywood, you are out of lumber. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> it was, so I, it, it was, it was, we ordered enough for that purpose because it was an outdoor show. So the theory was that it needed to be sturdier. It, well, okay. It, it I can kind of see that. <laughs> I was going to say, I've, I've done plenty of outdoor shows with properly built flats and they're fine. You just, you just. It's a thing. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see you wanting them to be heavier because of like a, a, a theatrical flat uh, on stage, like the kind that we have here, for example, the Hollywood flats we've got. Uh, it, it will sail away if the wind catches it. Not if not you properly, properly secure it. Like, anyway, um, that's a whole nother uh, discussion we'll that we can have. All right, well, I was trying offline. to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were but... very, very heavy. Yes. <laughs> just put it Reasonable. Very heavy. I mean, if you're going to put, like, platforms on top of it and have to support, like, a band, then, yeah, use, use two by four and plywood to make your flats. Um, otherwise, you know, just use your best judgment and uh, maybe find a professional to help you. Um, like yeah. me, <laughs> we I'm did, available. We did. That was a little part of the problem, though. Oh, fun time. <laughs> uh, find a professional scenic carpenter. Yeah. That is key. If you so scenic, one thing that a lot of people don't seem to understand is that uh, scenic carpentry, frame carpentry, and cabinetry are three different things. With and they're they're three entirely different arts. Mm-hmm. Um, they use three different styles of building, um, and they use three different tolerances for error. Uh, You do not need a stud every 18 inches for scenic carpentry. No, and also in frame carpentry, you can be, I think, like a quarter inch off over a couple feet, and they're just like, ah, close enough. Um, Whereas if you have a scenic carpenter who's worked their salt, they're only going to be about an eighth inch off over eight feet. But they Uh, will abuse that eighth inch within an eighth inch of its its life. Yes. Um, (laughs) And if you are a cabinet maker, you are going to be like within a 32nd over eight feet, or you like, I don't know, freak out and go kill yourself or something. Yeah, like they, they get very, they're very... Very. Uh, or you can't open the dishwasher. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Like, there's a reason for all those things. Um, but when you get or, people who try to, like, jump between the three arts, um, you can get a lot of miscommunications because they are building to the standards they're used to. Um, and especially, like, people who try to go from frame carpentry into scenic carpentry, um, they you know, they, they're trying to build to the standards that they're used to building to, and we have a different set of standards for structure, but a way more stringent set of standards for accuracy. We're the cheap um, and fast. Yeah, whereas <laughs> if you have somebody come here and try to build scenery and they're a cabinet maker, they're going to be spending hours trying to get everything super specific and we're going to be like, okay, go to the back of the house and look at it. You can't tell the difference between yours and theirs and they were like twice as fast and off on all their cuts. <laughs> That's what we call the 20-foot rule. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's it's a thing. Like there's there's a place in this world for all of those arts, but you need to realize where the appropriate place is, um, and what you're building for, uh, and that is 
that is my thoughts on <laughs> scenic carpentry. Um, I just, you know, did it for a decade or so of my life. Yeah, I figured <laughs> you'd have had more thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I have way more thoughts, but like we need about four more podcast episodes to get through all of them. That's, oh, okay. Yeah, I know that's that's a thing. The good news is we write it down and we have fodder until the end of time for this. That's cool. That's <laughs> the thing. Like I was talking to you, I, I get so nervous about running out of topics and then I look at our sheet and I'm like, oh man. Yeah, yeah you're not going to run out We're of We're going to be doing this until a week yeah. after I die. <laughs> I mean, BA and I could hijack this podcast and just talk scenic carpentry for... I don't know, probably five or six episodes. Yeah, I know it's. it's no a one thing. wants to hear that, but we could do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, there, I feel like that's a very niche market. That's um, the wonder of the podcast with the editing. We're gonna just be like, okay, we let them talk about this for ten minutes, and now we're gonna talk about kittens again. Right. You know what the thing is, though. Getting back to the uh, the main subject we were talking about was uh, that, um, you know. Um, uh, 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 professional skills that you can you can learn broadly applicable skills that you can learn from oh, the yeah. theater. My you know the first kind of carpentry I ever learned was theatrical carpentry, which is similar in many ways to frame carpentry. The mm -hmm. the, the stress tolerances are calculated in similar ways. Pieces are built the same way, just with different materials. Um, so I was able to pick up frame carpentry really quickly, and that's how I came to really understand stress tolerances was frame carpentry. Um, also, rigging a hemp house fly system will teach you real quick if you want to yeah. keep all ten of them. If you uh, <laughs> if, if you have any questions or any struggles uh, with comprehending physics as a as a just as a science, find a hemp house. Yep, like that'll teach you quick. Also, wear gloves. Because you'll learn even faster without them, but I don't and recommend it. Do not attempt to haul a 30-foot log. Do not attempt to deadlift a 30-foot log <laughs> from the grid with a piece of 8-inch aircraft cable wrapped oh. around your hand. Ow. Yeah, you we scars? can tell that story off air. <laughs> oh, it's a, such a great story. It is such a great such story. Such a great story. Can we, we tell it on air? It's so good. We can tell it. We can probably tell it on air. Do you want to tell it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, do you want me? Can I tell it? Go, Go for it. it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, BA and I were working together at the Virginia Stage Company. This was back maybe 2008, nine, something like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. She was the assistant technical director, and I was. No, the... at the time I was a carpenter. You were a carpenter? Yeah. Okay, well, then I was a carpenter too. And no, this was the year I was an intern. Uh huh. I yeah. was an old ass intern, you guys. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> I was, I was I was an old intern. I was 27 when I was an intern uh, because I, you know, I didn't go to college for theater, so I got into the industry late. Anyway. I mean, but you were at the right point in your career. I think we, we had a little bit of the t this discussion when we talked about opera, another episode that you haven't heard yet because mm -hmm. I'm editing it together on Saturday. Um, <laughs> so future BA will put this together. Um, but like, you know, when you're it doesn't matter your age if you are at the point in your career where that is developmentally appropriate for you. Yeah, it was exactly where I needed to be at that time. Um, and uh, one of the reasons for that is because I was the kind of person who was inclined to wind cable around my hand. And I needed somebody to be in a position above me to say, mm, maybe not. <laughs> So anyway. So we'll do a, a, a quick terminology here with aircraft cable. Uh, oh, yes. You guys may not be as familiar with it. Uh, it it'd be more familiar to you as like bicycle cable, what runs from the brakes on your on your bikes. Very similar. Very similar, except thicker. 
It's an eighth yeah. of an inch in diameter. It actually goes up to, I think, a half inch in diameter, but it gets that's really for thick, major, that's, major use. I was going to say, that's for actually catching aircraft yeah. on <laughs> aircraft carriers. Um, the eighth inch stuff that we use in the theater has, I don't know, it can hold maybe about a thousand pounds. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't know exactly what it's rated it's, for. It's, any, any more it holds a lot yeah. is the the point it, it holds it's more strong than enough for scenery most yes of the time. it's strong enough for your scenery but thin enough to generally not be very visible yeah. um when you're rigging yeah so speaking of rigging <laughs> we were uh, building a set uh, at uh, virginia stage company and uh the technical director at the time was a crusty old so-and-so by the name of bud and uh, oh, he was just Don't the greatest. Don't get us wrong. Like we love Bud. He was the greatest. Like, he's he's still he lives in like Portsmouth, man. I know. Yeah, like it's a thing. Like he's he's amazing, and we love him to death. Uh, but he was very much like, we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so the the task at hand on this particular day was to lift these tree trunks that we had fabricated in the shop up and place them in position on the stage. And what we were going to do was we were going to secure the bottom uh, to the deck and just screw it in place. And uh, the top was just going to be picked with aircraft cable and it was going to be tied off to the grid so that would hold it upright. Mm -hmm. Um, And by fabricated, um, we had uh, done the typical theater thing and made a whole bunch of them out of what we had in the shop and then only bought the materials we needed. So some of them, uh, they were all in two parts put together some of them were made out of pvc with both parts not fun yeah some of them and these we're talking like this was like a 10 inch diameter trunk um that was supposed to look like a birch tree i think um some of them were made with the bottom part pvc and the top part uh sauna tube which is essentially cardboard think like a gigantic toilet paper tube um, it's the stuff that they use to, to form concrete columns mm-hmm. when they're building like a parking garage. Yeah. And you see those perfectly round concrete columns and you're like, why don't I do that? See, we actually have some in the green room right now that I think we used four columns. We just mm-hmm. painted them. So yeah. come to the Little Theater of Norfolk and we'll show it to you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and some of them were made, the ones where we finally had to build, like buy the materials were made with tube on the top and bottom. Um, and to those give you an of idea cake. of why uh, we did that um, sonotube tube is way lighter than pvc oh yeah it's cardboard yeah so we have these different we have these trees made out of various materials of varying weights i'm 99 certain the tree that is in question in this particular story was uh, a sauna tube on the top and pvc on the bottom it might have been it might have been fully pvc i don't recall i think anyway. I, i'm pretty certain it was sauna tube on the top because it didn't shatter at the end of the story okay well you know you might be right about that but bud bud's idea as to how we were going to lift these was we already had the cable picks on them running up to the grid. They were just slack because the trees were lying on their sides on the deck. And we up in the grid, it was it was him, the assistant technical director, and me, the intern. Mm-hmm. And the three of us were going to lift this cable up through the grid, just like squat down and deadlift it. And everybody else on so the deck was everybody going to else... help it until they got it up off the deck, and then we were going to put a chair under it to sort of stabilize it for the moment while we got everything situated. So everybody else, for the record, was me, the final carpenter. The uh, One of the carpentry interns, who was not Nick, a um, good friend of mine, uh, now lives in Texas, uh, wrote a book that we did a book club for. Um, and I... And, and he was on crutches at the time. He was on crutches at the time uh, because he had... 
like sprained his ankle or something for the 12th time that year. Um, we joke, but it's a thing. Uh, and then um, we had like the props master and the production manager. The production manager happened to be the technical director's son um, and the master electrician. I'm pretty certain. So the goal was that the um, the four of us, the production manager, the master electrician, um, myself, uh, and the props master were going to be helping support this tree as it went up. And then uh, Tom on his crutches would wa- like burp, burp over with a uh, folding chair and we would land it on the folding chair. They would tie off the aircraft cable. Then we would take the folding chair out and it would like stretch the cable till it went to the floor and we would screwed into the floor. That was the theory at least. Right. So I'm squatted down up in the grid with eighth inch aircraft cable wound so around my hand. So this is the second lift because the first lift happened with tie line. And it broke. Oh, and it broke, and it fell yeah. down. So and it used, fell. We used and... cable. Bud was like, well, let's use cable. Cable's definitely not going to break. Yeah. And so... Except your hand. Except, so uh, I'm on the floor just livid uh, <laughs> because they want to lift this stuff by hand with aircraft cable. And I'm like, this is stupid. Uh, so the, uh, the the production manager, we've, we've collected almost everybody, and the production manager comes on stage, and he takes one look at my face, and he's like, uh-oh. And he's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, these, and I, the, the words that came out of my mouth, I shouldn't like go through on this podcast because we've been trying to keep, I've been, I've been trying to bleep out the F-bombs, so I'm just going to do myself a favor and not say them. Um, but I was like, they're about to lift this entire tree with aircraft cable and it's not going to work and all this shit. Um, <laughs> and so he was just like, well, what's, what's the problem? He was like, well, the last time with the tie line that it didn't work, the tie line broke. So like what, like it, the aircraft cable is the, is it going to break? And I was like, no, it's not going to break. It's just going to chop all their fingers off. Um, Meanwhile, I'm up in the grid, like what's taking so long. <laughs> yeah. So, Come uh, on. so, uh, so the production manager looks at everybody else and he's like, all right, like everybody on stage who just heard me do this, like very unprofessional rant. Um, and he was like, all right, anybody who's uncomfortable with this situation, feel free to leave. Uh, just don't go far. And they all just walked off stage. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, I'm really sorry. Like, I can't let you leave. But um, like when they call down, just cool. So he goes off into the house so that they can't see him in the grid. And then uh, Bud calls down and he's like, hey, are you all ready? And I was like, nope. And he goes, well, why not? And I was like, they all left. And he goes, Why? I was like, because they think this is an effing stupid idea. <laughs> and he was like, huh? And at that point in well, time. Well, didn't, before you get to this part, wasn't there a, a little bit more of that conversation between you and the production yes. manager where he said, well, what would you recommend yeah. we use to lift so, it? So the production manager had asked me, like, what, what would you use to lift it? And I was like, rope. Yeah. Hemp. <laughs> rope. This is a hemp we're house. We have a, miles of it. Yeah. We're in effing hemp house we literally have miles of hemp rope that is that is there so that we can do things like lift scenery like and i like i i mean it was like five minutes we also uh, have not. blocks with pulleys to make it super easy to do right. it yeah. and I, I get not doing that because the rigging on this particular show was very uh, complex there just wouldn't have been room in the grid necessarily for the blocks um but there was like no reason not to use the rope um, yeah. and so uh, the production manager, when, uh, when like, Bud's up in the grid, like, what? And the production manager goes, Bud, meet me on the third floor. 
and we were just like oh shit it's going down um and i hear like nelson comes up and stomps over and he stops and he's like rope right and i'm like yes hemp rope um and he like stomps his way up to the third floor <laughs> and i bud, hear bud trying bud to stalking out of the grid yeah. so so if you hear him like trying to stomp across the grid but the stage company's grid is like flat iron and so it gives under your feet so you can't really stomp without it like looking ridiculous like you're it on just a sounded like he was jumping on an old mattress yeah. it didn't achieve the desired <laughs> effect at all it's not it's it's really hard to be angry up in the grid because <laughs> like it's it's like when you try to angrily say bubbles like it's that kind of thing um so the two of them meet in the hallway just outside the grid and the atd and i who were still in the grid can hear them going and that's final so bud comes back in and he walks all the way back up to us without saying anything. And he, he looks at both me and the assistant technical director. And he goes, well, we're going to use rope. <laughs> yep. And so uh, they call down to me and they're like, we're sending down some rope. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and then Nelson comes down and he's like, they're going to use rope. And I was like, cool. And then I hear him yell, you can come out now, guys. <laughs> so let this be a lesson to you if you're considering getting involved in community theater, but you're a little apprehensive about it because you've never done that sort of thing before and you, you feel like you might be a little out of your element. The pros don't know what they're doing either. We're making this up completely as we go along. Well, yeah. uh, uh, but some thing... a lot of making it up is just like being reasonable and using common sense as to what will hurt you and what will not hurt you. And that actually is among the skills that I think scenic carpentry teaches people the best is how to get comfortable not knowing what you're doing and how to know how to not know what you're doing creatively. Well, and I will say even my, even with my paid gigs, it, like no one ever looked down on you if you, if you like legitimately say this is something I'm not comfortable doing. Oh yeah. Like cause mm -hmm. oh, yeah. particularly with like ladder work, mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, when I first started here, you know, I would, I would climb the A-frame on the stage, but I wasn't as comfortable with the extension in the house. And then oh, I, I hate the upright part. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone, part, I can't. I, I don't know of anyone who but likes I've that. Better. Part. Like, I've gotten to the point where I can throw a leg over, like, like BA can, and I just, you know, you just gain your confidence. Um, but you know, it was it was always a thing if you're not comfortable. And then you know, we were we were actually doing some lift work here, and you know, I was I was a little nervous, but I'm like, this is something you know I need to do, and we're not going to push it. But you know, I went up and I did it, and it was really stupid hot up there. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Well, but the part I loved with that was when I had to call the company. I'm like, so your cable on this thing is fraying. We need another one. He's like, what do you mean it's fraying? I'm like, so like little pieces are broken and pushed down. He's like, well, then that's not fraying. And I'm like, I'm not going to argue with you about what fraying is. But yeah, here's the phone. Yeah. So she, she hands <laughs> it over to me. Because I'm um, sure my face was purple at yeah, this point. And, and so I, I have a, a fairly non-gendered name. I get a lot of emails to Mr. Chickalella. Um, and so, uh, I answered the phone and I just kind of dropped my voice a little and I was like, this is the rigor. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled an Elizabeth Holmes on them. Uh, yeah, no. And, and he was just like, so what's going on? And I was like, well, the aircraft cable is, uh, it's, it seems to have gotten caught in something and it's kind of frayed up and sprung up like this. And, you know, it's, it's definitely, it doesn't look safe to use. Can I send you a picture? And he was like, yeah. And so he like literally legit, like gave me his cell number so I could send him a picture. And Nina's like half furious half laughing her ass off in another room <laughs> and i'm just like and we sent it and he was like oh yeah no you can't use that and we were like yeah nope no, no I, I knew that already like Guess i just why i called needed you. you to send me a new lift like that's, that's there wasn't a question of me using it like <laughs> i i have taken the training as to what you can and cannot do on a single person lift um and 
you don't use it in the state. Um, who did you I, who did you rent from? I don't remember. So we we were talking. I, I honestly don't know where we were going before we got off on a tangent about uh, how not to rig a theater. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think what we promised when we uh, left for our break um, was that we talk a little about um, boundaries. So um, one of the interesting things about markets like Hampton Roads when it comes to the arts um, is you do have professionals who will come and volunteer at community theaters. Um, but that puts professionals in this awkward position where they do work for pay and they do some work for free. Um, and it's a, uh, I think it's an interesting balance that deserves some discussion. If that I, makes sense. I, I would approach it first from like the, actually the actor's side. When you think about it, when you are actors equity, if you go perform in something that is not equity, like it's, let's, let's say they came to perform here, I believe even volunteer, they would need to get permission from actors equity because mm-hmm. you'll see that printed in programs. So, so-and-so uh, appears courtesy of actors equity. Um, and I know it's, um, I asked with the symphony, the symphony I worked for, it was not a union symphony, but some of them were members of a union, and so that's why they followed mm-hmm. union rules. And, I asked and the them, symphony that I worked for was the union symphony that a lot yeah. of them were members of. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of mine were Richmond and, yeah. and other things. Um, they, so so Nina had worked uh, for a symphony in um, Williamsburg, which is right between Richmond and here, mm-hmm. um, and I worked for the symphony down here. Uh, so it's it's fun. The, the the symphony in Williamsburg is kind of a real fun mix of uh, musicians from Richmond and musicians from uh, down in Hampton Roads, and it's pretty cool. And I think that all of us have probably worked for production companies where some departments are unionized and others are not. I mean, that, have we all done that? I have not. I, I mean, if you I count know. like uh, like the stage company um, yeah. was an equity house, so actors. Certain actors in the cast were actual members of the union. Um, the rest of them could be non-members, but they were they qualified for points depending on the size of the show and all this kind of stuff. Um, or you know, every once in a while, you you know, if a tour comes through and you're doing uh, house crew work, you've got people on the tour who might be actual members of IATSE, but your house crew in this area, at least. Uh, generally isn't going to be IATSE unless you're out at the Virginia Beach Amphitheater. Are they the... They used to be. I don't know if they still are. I'd be surprised if they weren't. Oh, another another quick terminology. They have big acts come through there. Yeah. Equity is the um, the union for stage actors. IATSE is the union for uh, crew. Yes. And stage managers are members of Equity, yes. not IATSE. Um so um, just to like confuse yeah. people who don't work in the arts <laughs> even more. Um, it's because they work so closely with the actors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know when I first came to town, um, I was working as a carpenter and I wasn't doing, I, I had one job, believe it or not. It was over at the stage company as a carpenter and then as the assistant technical director. Um, and the boundary that I set early on when I started, um, first hanging out at LTN and then kind of doing stuff around LTN was that I don't do things that I get paid for for free. Um, so when I first started coming and hanging around LTN, like I would assist and recommend things for the rigging system to be safer. I would gladly teach anybody how to build something, but I was trying very hard not to 
basically give away the things I usually got paid for. Um, and that I, I've pretty much, I think I've mostly stuck with that. Um, because I'm pretty certain the last lighting design I did at LTN was just before my first paid lighting design. Um, and so it's, you know, that was kind of the boundary that I set early and try to kind of stick with is once I get paid for it, if you're not going to pay me, then I'm not going to do the work. That's an interesting, I, I took a different approach, which was that, um, I, I would zealously seek opportunities to do things for free that I also got paid for, refuse help, and then have a mental health crisis. <laughs> Uh, I would not recommend that approach. I mean, um, you know, it's it's a choice. It's one way it, to do it. It is a choice. I just, uh, as a as a responsible member of the community, <laughs> I cannot. I, I can. I, I can highly not recommend that approach. I don't recommend it either. I I, I tend to take a different approach these days. That's helpful. <laughs> well, and we also may want to discuss why is there that approach. It's not that you don't enjoy it or you don't want to do it. Um, we were having a, um, a friend of mine's experience just today. It's that you unfortunately drive down the value of your own work because if you go to get a paid job somewhere, they're like, well, you just did it for so-and-so for free. And then you have to get into this whole argument. Well, like, well, yeah, you know what? They're a nonprofit and whatever. And she's like, you know what? No. Yeah. And that's the thing is most arch organizations in this area are nonprofits. Yeah. So that, yeah, I, I've, I've sort of held that line there. Of, nope. If I'm if I get paid for it, you you don't get those services for free. Well, and that's that's the thing is like ultimately, and uh, theater people are generally pretty bad at this. But ultimately, you have to determine what your skills and time are worth. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this dovetails on into a subject that uh, we talk about frequently, just as friends, which is ask other people what they make. Tell other people what you make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If everybody knows what everybody makes, then admin can't take advantage of us. And yeah. that's not just for the arts, guys. Yeah, and it, it's honestly a, um, it, and it's not just a, you know, knowing what everybody makes issue. Um, that comes down to, you know, it's it's one way to break the glass ceiling uh, because a couple years back, um, when everything with Me Too was kind of picking up and stuff like that, uh, there were a bunch of very famous actors and actresses who decided to start releasing to their other cast members how much they were making on a movie. Uh, and it started coming out that, you know, same kind of level actors, the men were getting paid exorbitant amounts, amounts of money over the women. Mm -hmm. um, and that happens everywhere. That happens in acting. That happens in the technical end. That happens in the admin world. Um, men, men typically, if, what is it? It's something like if men make a dollar, the average woman makes, I think it's like 75 cents on a dollar. Yeah. Um, and then the average black woman makes something like 67 cents on that dollar. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, you know, it it gets worse from there. I don't know if those are the exact numbers, but it's, it's in that vicinity. Um, Yet another is, reason, if you're interested in theater, to get involved at the Little Theater of Norfolk, because everybody gets paid exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets paid zero, y'all. Yeah, um, that's that's a thing that um, I actually struggle with because, yeah, I'm the president of this organization, but quite frankly, I have a really hard time asking any artist or any person who has a skill to do that skill for free um, because I'm a big proponent of if you have a skill, you should be getting the – the company should – 
respect your skill level. Um, and we live in a capitalist society. And unfortunately, because of that, the way that we as a society show respect for skill levels is by paying people. Um, and it, it, it's really weird to be running an all-volunteer organization where people are volunteering to do skilled labor well, um, because it feels can... like the company needs to show a little more respect for the people that they are utilizing the labor of. I'm sorry to have interrupted you just now. I, I, I think you should maybe look at it differently, though, because it's not you're not running, uh, you know, like a for profit theater here. You know, you're not even running a professional theater here. This is none of the theaters theater. I've worked for have been for profit. Well, no, but I think the issue is right now is we we're not necessarily because as a middleman, you know, th this nonprofit is not taking a profit. But you're not insisting that the public value the work, which if COVID has taught us anything, it's that. This work has value because everybody just saying how much they miss it. And we're like, well, then you've got to support your artists. Yeah. And, and there's there's not make. a lot of opportunity in this area to actually make a living mm -hmm. as an artist. And the more companies we have who are, you know, out there touting how they're all volunteer organizations and this is great. That's that's good. And there is a place for that in the community. Um but there comes a point where your business hits a certain level where you need to take that next step up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think that LTN is at that level. I don't think LTN was designed to operate at that level. This is I, the like, look at it this way. Um, and you tell me if you if you if you think differently, but I have always been under the impression that the stage company's product is the production. Right. The opera's product is the production. You know, LTN's product, although LTN does do productions, the product is the opportunity to participate, really. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you don't still give the company the opportunity, like the community, the opportunity to participate. Um, but we've got, you know, we've got five shows a season. Uh -huh. We've got however many people are in those shows, however many people have to build those shows, however many people are uh, running box office for those shows, however many people have to do concessions for those shows. We've got however many people have to do all the work to set up the box office for those shows. And we've got, um, for last year, I think it was 10% of the budget for this upcoming year. It's going to be closer to 40% of our budget that has to come from grants that have to be written for those shows. And, you know, I'm not saying that every single person who walks through these doors needs to immediately be paid. That's impossible, especially in this time with us having to essentially almost completely rework our business model to remain open. Yeah. Um, but there does come a point at which if you expect to continue attracting professionals who can work with your community members, you need to show those professionals that they are valued. And the way you show those professionals that their skills and their work is valued is by offering money. That's how society works when you live in a capitalist society. And so are you, are, are you working up to some sort of surprise? No. Are you guys going to give me some is, money? I didn't know I was going to get money. No, that's that, That's kind of the problem that you we're at tacos. is we don't. That's you, true. You Those are delicious tacos. <laughs> um, well, I mean. I, I Nina gonna, made us tacos. They were incredible. Yeah. What I was going to add to that is it's also now that we're in 
the gig economy, it's it's a competition. People cannot afford to come do something that's mm-hmm. for free. Like it, it will have, you know, actors who are were great in this one play, and they're just like, I can't turn down this paid gig to, you know, do the time here. So if mm-hmm. you, and the thing was, you know, let's say the paid gig that they're getting is ten dollars an hour. If we could offer nine, they like us enough that they might take the cut. But right now, it's it's nothing, and mm-hmm. I mean that's hard to ask people to do. And I, you know, yeah. I, we always understand that, particularly like for our musicians, we're like, mm-hmm. you know, paid gig has to come first. We get it. Yeah. I remember back in the days when I was young and naive, and I, I I asked somebody who was a member of the board here, why do the musicians get paid but the actors don't? And <laughs> the reason they gave me. And it was so succinctly phrased. It was perfect. They said, because a musician can go anywhere and make money on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what it comes down to is um, beyond that, there is a strong musician's union in the area. Um, And so they have more bargaining power all over the place because of that strong union. Um, But that's that's a whole nother discussion that we can have with a couple more beers um, and a little too political for where we're going right now. Well, that's Um, that's actually a little bit like what I was saying with the symphony that I was talking to them. You know, they're members of the union, but so they get permission or I don't know if she told me they had permission for the non like it was a non union, but it was a paid gig with Williamsburg. mm -hmm. And I asked her at some point, I said, if you had decided to play for a school play or something. And, you know, do you have to go get permission for that? And she's like, oh, I don't, you know, we don't think so. It might just be nice to tell them, but no, I don't actually have to get permission, but it's, they, they keep ridiculously busy. And I'm like, I'm yeah. talking to a bassoon player. It's not, it's not like, you know, trumpet. I mean, well, you're paying the dues. They better keep you busy. Yeah. I mean, and what it, the other thing that it comes down to is, especially as everyone is trying to reach out to and diversify their communities, you can't expect certain communities to show up for free. You know, it's it's certain, being able to being able to say to show up for right. free. exactly being able to say that you're an all volunteer organization is a level of privilege. That's true. That not everyone can afford. And that's true. That's I never. And you know what? I I started volunteering at this theater in 2002. I volunteered through 2010 at least. Well, and, and 2012, is, and 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 you know, I stayed in touch um, closely until 2017, and I'm still kind of in touch now. And yeah. I mean, you're you're sitting what, here, so you're you're very much in touch. Yeah, and that what you just said about oh. about the privilege. Thank you. <laughs> that what you just said. You about, can't see though. So she poked me, yeah. uh, and thereby touched me, and therefore I am still in touch. It was good. I'm glad we stopped to explain that because otherwise they'd have missed it. I mean, it's a visual, not a visual medium. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I mean, you know. That never occurred to me until you pointed it out to me like last year. Well, and probably more so for actors. But, you know, when you're doing a show for free and and it is it is enjoyable. We, We do this because it's fun. You end up spending money when you're in a show. Oh, yes. When you go out with the cast, you have to buy, you know, buy some hairspray. You bring your own shirt. You bring your yeah. own pants. You know, you know, make sure you like a lot of times you're going to want to like you, you don't want to keep carrying your deodorant back and forth to the theater. So you just get another one. Sometimes you have to pay to park. Um, you know, yeah. it's just it, it adds up. I mean, you have to pay for gas to get here yeah. in most cases. It's not like Norfolk has like a thriving public transportation system that we can rely on to get us to places you know it's around here sometimes you have to pay a toll yeah you've got a there there's money that's put out as a volunteer Mm -hmm. that it just you can't expect everyone to be able to be a at that level of commitment to your company when they first get here and be able to put forth that money to actually be a volunteer 
Um, and it's, you know, volunteering is 100% a privilege because it does, you, you are giving of your own resources to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting balance act that uh, I don't know if I'll ever be fully comfortable with, but, uh, you know. Well, I'm sure you've got ideas about how to find ways forward. I mean, the only thing I can come up with is pay people, but we first have to figure out how to stay open for a year. Yeah, there's that. And not have a product. That's that's fun. <laughs> like, it's, it's. I mean, like, there's there's lots of brainstorming happening. It was just it's just like, you know, we have the grandest plans, and then things keep getting derailed. That's like we were going to have a whole new lighting system, and then. Mm-hmm. And welcome to the last 17 years of my life. Well, yeah, no, that was it. Was supposed to be the summer. And, uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. I'm confident you guys are going to figure it out and I'm confident that it's going to be, it's just going to continue improving. I think Nina, when, when you were the president of this, this theater, you, you started some tremendous initiatives that I was very, very pleased to see being undertaken. And I'm, I was very excited when BA became your successor to the presidency because I happen to know from having pressured her into doing it for me at Alt Daily <laughs> that you, young lady, have an extraordinary ability to take good work that other people have started and do it better than they could. <laughs> you did it you did it when I twisted your arm and made you become the theater editor of Alt Daily. We had similar values. You took it in a different direction and you grew it, you expanded it, you made it better. You made it way better than I could have. And now it's a completely and different website. And now it's a completely <laughs> Literally, different website. Literally, we we lost it's the website. It's been a different website like, twice now. It it is Spotlight News now because we we lost the Alt Daily website. The uh, the pilot shut it down. So Yeah, but you can't <laughs> keep a good year. website down though. It's, and that's it's what's been so, a really fun year. But that's what's so inspiring to me is that you can't it, the two of you just produce and nothing can stop you. And it's it's terrific. I think this theater has deserved that for a really long time because this is a you know, I the community stopped us yet because there were definitely days where we're just like, we need a Zoom and a wine if we have any hope of getting this through. Yeah. I, I mean, particularly like when when funding looked like it was not going to happen. Like the, that was probably the two most exhausting days of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It I was mean, like 48 hours. And was like, oh. I would have to say that, that wine Zooming, um, which is apparently my new term for – Literally just drinking directly out of the bottle. Oh, it's while going in the OED with next a couple December. of people. Um, it, wine zooming is 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 crucial to how we got through probably April, a lot of May, some of June. And then um, we also we also came up with something like uh, you know we all have our mental issues, and mine is like for whatever reason like I can't do things for myself in my house. But if someone's sitting there with me, I don't need them to help me. I just need them to be there. So we started doing what we call cooking shows, and I just put the computer in my kitchen with Zoom or Facebook Messenger or whatever up, and I'm just like moving around, washing dishes and cooking and stuff, and we're just <laughs> I'm just yelling to well, BA you across won't the do kitchen. It for yourself, so you're just calling people, hey, can you just you know jump on Zoom real quick and watch me scrub my toilet? So I so mean, a lot of what it was is I have a similar you issue be putting that on YouTube. when it comes it. to um, when it comes the- to making food for myself. Um, yeah. Because if I'm making Why am it, I going to dirty up all these plates for just Exactly. Yeah. Like, if I'm making it with another person, like, when we were living together and we would have dinner together, it would be like, okay, yeah, there are two people eating. We obviously have to make food. Um, when it's just me, I'm like, <sighs> which is why it was a cooking show, because usually I would be watching Nina clean her kitchen while I was cooking. <laughs> 
So but like it works. The, the video of cleaning the bathroom, is that like the kind of videos you would put up on whatever that site was we were I asked you about earlier? Oh, I don't know. I've never been to that site. I didn't even hear about it before Which tonight. I mean, I guess that could be somebody's thing. I'm not I'm not here to kink shame, but uh I, I think it's a slightly different um You know what? I no, I'm not you, don't put words in people's mouths, y'all. I'm not implying anything. I'm saying just do it and upload it and people will find it. But see, the thing is, I feel like you could probably upload a video of you cleaning your bathroom to YouTube and it wouldn't get taken down for content. But see, here's here's the other thing. It's just like stuff like that. When I get paid for it, then I get suspicious. <laughs> like, this stuff I know how to do. I want to get paid for. I'm like, when I do something everyone else doesn't even want to pay me for it, I think that's technically the definition of prostitution. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can do something that anyone else can do and you get paid for it. That's sort of like, that's like, that's kind of what prostitution is. I think the definition of prostitution is a little narrower well, it, than that. Yeah, okay, we just so took that, a hard like left turn, version. you guys. I, you lost the asexual. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, because that's like the same, that's the same argument. Like, why can't you sell an organ? Well, because, you know, anybody can have an organ. I'm like, yeah, it's still mine. <laughs> I mean, the. Can you not sell your own organs? Legally, no. Legally, no. Well, you, you have to sell other people's organs, and there's a lot of regulations that are involved. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, so let, let's take a break to regroup, and maybe when we get back, <laughs> um, we can talk about how theater skills uh, work in other careers. All right. That's not organ selling. Didn't we do that already? I, I'm, I'm hitting stop. And once ah, again, right. we are back. Yes. Uh, we had a very refreshing break where we uh, found where we hid the water on ourselves last March. And um, <laughs> now we're back and hydrated, mostly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So wait, I... I saw a TikTok recently that was like, ADHD challenge. And she's like, all right, step one, you go get a cup. Step two, you put water in the cup. And they're like, step three, just drink the water. Just just drink the water. Why is this so hard? Drink the water. <laughs> because the cat looked at me. I mean, it's a thing. Also, the uh, most medications for that purpose, uh, if you're not constantly drinking water, are apparently really bad for your liver. Oh, um, fun. As is just the sheer amount of drinking I've done in my life. So, you yeah, know, no. the liver is thing. evil and must be punished. Um, <laughs> but speaking of theater skills, um, that was a really good segue. Drinking is a theater <laughs> skill, uh, both water and alcohol. Maybe we need uh, to have that podcast. Drinking is knowing a theater your skill. limits with the alcohol in the theater. You could dovetail it with Will It Burn. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring up Will It Burn, and now you've done it. So now we're going to have to explain it at some point. It well, now seems like a good a good time for that. So Will It Burn was an idea for, I think it was more a, like a YouTube series at the time. It was a video. I, I thought we, we did it, we, we like posited it like a game show. It was like, yeah. Will It Burn. Yeah, but it has to be video. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. work over audio because oh, yeah. the goal is to set things on fire. Right, absolutely. Um, and we've pretty much explained the entire show just now. Well, we I didn't understand, explain where we came up with the concept. Oh, you mean when I lit the uh, water heater on fire? I mean, you didn't light it on fire. It was more like a small explosion. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make it sound better. No. Which resulted in a fire. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like... And it was at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I, and that, that was like the third out of, I think, five times I'd been involved in a theater fire. It was my first and only. I'm just going to put it right there. <laughs> And I, worked a, and I worked a pyro show. Might have been my first. It wasn't my only. 
Yeah. Because there were we had a good one once. We had a good one at the stage company, and then we had a much smaller one at the stage company, um, and then we had the one here. And by a good one, I mean a bad one. I mean, yeah, good is relative. A big one. <laughs> so with the, with the on a scale of one to ten, there were six fire trucks involved. <laughs> <laughs> we actually so the, for the one here, we actually did not call a fire truck. No, um, we um we we called we just a coated plumber. the whole backstage <laughs> in extinguisher dust. By the way, and if, called if, the emergency plumber. If you've never discharged a fire extinguisher, do your best to not have to because yeah. they render the space uninhabitable. Yeah, so it's really bad. What had happened was <laughs> we didn't have any hot water, and growing up, I'd had a hot water heater, and sometimes the breaker would trip, and so you took a a screwdriver because it has a grounded end on it. Yeah. And you could push the, the end button. that isn't metal, yeah. you know, that 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 is so that your hand isn't touching the metal while you're touching the electrical thing. That end. So in so theater, like, we call that a handle. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Nick, I'm gonna go try this because I'm gonna get some hot water. So he climbs up there and he's hand, holding like the metal part. And I'm like, no, 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 please don't do that. Just you gotta hold the handle. He's like, okay. So he does that, and all of a sudden there's like. Sparks and dripping and fire and screaming, where is the fire extinguisher? <laughs> like, And the answer is, by the stage manager's desk yeah. backstage. <laughs> you know, I don't recall whether or not I used the fiberglass ladder or the metal one when I did that. I'm fairly certain we gave you the fiberglass ladder. Oh, okay. Somebody was thinking. Yeah, well. <laughs> I certainly wasn't. Nina came up to me in the middle of the night and was like, hey, Nick. Take this metal thing and go poke that. No, I specifically <laughs> told you not to touch the metal thing. And I was like, that okay. Was <laughs> so, we help. so we managed to set a water heater on fire. Which is easier than you'd think because my dad did that once when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> so we called the electrician in the middle of the night. We're like, we don't know the breaker or whatever. We just shut it off. We just want to make sure everything's safe. And he's like, Wah. yeah. Okay. So like literally, we ordered a pizza yeah. waiting for the emergency electrician to show up. Thank you, Chanel. Um, and he like showed up and was just like looking around like, why is it so foggy in here? And we're just like, that's just fire extinguisher dust. Please, please figure out if this breaker's off properly. And he was just like, yeah, y'all are good. And then we ate the pizza and left and the next day at work was rough uh and from then on we were when we were about to do something stupid we joke about will it burn <laughs> like there was a time we were trying to make ticker tape and so we we're like well let's just take um let's just take uh adding machine tape and just run it through like i was thinking a bandsaw but they tried the table saw yet it turns out there's a lot of resistance and that smokes a lot and mm-hmm. can possibly catch fire with it's, tape it's paper tape, like cash register tape. Yeah. Oh. You, you have to use the bandsaw is yeah. the trick to that. Yeah, the tape is way too dense for a yeah, table Yeah, too saw. dense for a table saw. So we're standing there like, what the heck? <laughs> it's, that's the thing. This is this is why you, you keep professionals around. We can be like, that ain't going to work. <laughs> well, also, you know, you'll or sometimes <laughs> we just stop by and go like, all right, they'll figure it out. <laughs> depends. Yeah, it, on, it, it really depends on like the safety level of the situation. Like there is a point at which, from a teaching standpoint, especially in a shop, sometimes you just have to learn by screwing it up. Yeah. Um. So when you're teaching from a like carpentry end, a lot of what you're doing is just looking around and making sure that no one at an intern level is going to seriously injure themselves. Um. But if it's just gonna you know waste a bit of materials or 
make them have to do it again or, you know, create an inconvenience that isn't going to completely evacuate a building. Sometimes you just let them try it. Um, it's a thing. <laughs> and then you lean over to your coworkers and you're like, Psst, hey, come here. Right. This is going to be fun. Well, it's back to the whole what we were saying. It was like, you can tell people measure twice, cut once as many times as you want. It is not going to sink in until you cut it wrong and you're like, mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I feel like some of that is a skill. You know, one, one of the things that sounds weird because I consider it a theater skill, but one of the skills that I pulled from theater is teaching. Um, oh, because absolutely. I, I 100% went from, you know, from college by, by the time my senior year of college hit, I remember the, f- I think it was the first or second time we had to do a lighting hang. Um, I walked in, I was the person there in the morning for the work study crew and the technical director came down and he spread out the, the lighting plot on a hamper and he was like, you remember what this is? And I was like, yeah, it's a lighting plot. It must've been the first hang of the season. Cause I don't, I don't know why he would have been asking me this if it was the second hang of the season. And he was like, you know how to read this? And I'm looking and I'm like, yeah, I know how to read this. And he was like, all right, cool. Uh, you got 20 freshmen coming in in five minutes. I'll be up in my office if you need me. And he left and I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the freshmen showed up and I was like, all right, has anyone uh, participated in a theatrical lighting hang before? And they all kind of looked at me like I had three heads. And I was like, has anyone seen a theatrical lighting instrument before? And they all just kind of went, Burr? and I was like, okay, guys. We're going on a field trip. Um, but we did it. We got, uh, you know, we got almost the whole thing hung over the course of the day with 20 inexperienced freshmen. And that's when, you know, you start having to – one of the best ways to learn something when you're at a certain point is start explaining it to others. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, you you start figuring out, like, how to meet a student at their level. You know, some people are never going to be comfortable with a power tool and they just kind of want to watch and they'll help you install. But when it comes to saws, they're like, no. And then you you can kind of see the people who, you know, maybe they're not comfortable with power tools right now, but they have that interest and they, you know, are, they want to, but they're just timid. And you figure out a way to get out. Then they'll, then they'll, then they'll like the Cirque saw. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's the thing. Like you, you figure out a way to get around that timidness. Like a lot of times, um, I know when I first started in the scene shop in college, I was really scared of the pneumatic tools. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like a rational fear of pneumatic tools. It was they were loud. They had a lot of pressure attached to them. And I had no earthly clue how they functioned so if i was holding one i would have had no idea how to safely operate it once i was taught how to operate them that fear went away fairly quickly it turned into a healthy respect well i was gonna say i think some of the thing with the the pneumatic tools too is that you know when you disconnect them you have that little bit of pressure that kind of like shoots it off and you're just like oh yeah oh that's so fun Uh, well and that's the thing (laughs) if that's all you're hearing (laughs) is that noise but you haven't had the experience of doing it yet and it's just all of the like you know, more experienced people doing it, it's it's something where you're just like, oh, geez, that looks really complex. And then you start working with it and you're like, oh, there's almost no good way to hurt yourself with this without being stupid. <laughs> it is um, it is good to have the opportunity to work with more experienced people on things like that, though. Um, one of the first times I ever was around pneumatic tools, somebody shot a finish nail through my thumb. E. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, a little more terminology. Uh, pneumatic means uh, hooking up to an air compressor. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of like what your mechanics use. Right. Air powered, essentially. From the Greek, pneumos, meaning air. Mm. And I'm going to do another one in case I got that wrong. From the Latin, pneumos, meaning air. Gotcha. And we're just going to leave both of them in so I don't have to Google. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is, uh, I believe it comes from the same root of, say, pneumonia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, so that's kind of, you know, skills that go in there. And there's, there's also, I think they call them soft skills that you wind up learning in theater, um, that come in handy in other places. Um, I mean, one of them, uh, is definitely if you're going to be in theater for longer than like, you know, 30 seconds, um, you kind of learn to get a thick skin about, uh, basically criticism of any kind, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's, you know, actual artistic criticism or if it's somebody who uh you know doesn't think that's you know the best way to put something together or if it's just someone who you know you know you've designed something and the director wants something kind of different um you kind of learn to work together on that stuff and not take it too personally uh and that that really kind of gives you a head a leg up in other careers over people who really don't know how to have those discussions. Well, let's say one of the things I've learned as, as a stage manager is to choreograph things you would not necessarily think you should choreograph, like bringing chairs onto a set. I, I had this experience, and the director's just like, just, you know, six of you bring chairs onto the set for the next scene. And we're like, no, 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 that's not how that works. <laughs> you, you, and you pick up this chair, this oh, chair, and please, this chair. please, please, yes, directors, <laughs> drill your scenic transitions. I was going to say, Nick you has a have great to story on this. Practice one. that. You have to practice that. Yep. It's going to look, if your actors look great and your scenic transitions look terrible, your show at best hits an average between the two and looks meh. Yeah. You so, have to set aside at least one day to rehearse your scenic transitions. You have to, they have to look as good as everything else. So go ahead and brag on, on God No. <clears throat> um,. Tee me up another one. I don't remember much about God No. God oh. No was the one where you choreographed the scene transition. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Um, yeah. That's a, uh, God uh, No was the only show to date that I've ever directed. Right. I directed it at the, can I say the name of the theater? Yeah, you can I directed it at the Generic Theater in, I believe, the summer of 2008. It was a locally written script, so I didn't have to jump through any of the normal hoops to get the job directing it. They just kind of let me have at it. Yeah, it was part of their their dog days. And yes. They do locally written works. Yes, I wish they would bring that back. But um, I just realized, like, there's a whole section of the Hampton Roads theater community that has never seen those, and I'm like, oh, now I feel old. No, they were great. The Dog Days <laughs> Festival that was the thing the generic used to do, where they would produce new, usually locally written plays, um, in groups of three, sometimes over the summer. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And um, I I got to direct one once called God No. And it was ostensibly a one-woman show. Mm -hmm. But I decided I needed at least two crew members for the scenic transitions. because, And even though we were doing everything with like a bentwood chair and some cubes, Mm -hmm. we would dress them up in different ways so that they looked like different things. And um, I decided that I needed to have my, my, uh, my, my set crew on stage, or my, my, sorry, my stage crew, uh, in full visibility to make these transitions. And uh, since everything was painted black, I wanted them dressed head to toe in black as well. They looked like ninjas. 
Well, and we see that, so the the play was about Madeline O'Hare, who was abducted. So and murdered. That, yeah. that's the way I took it. Is that what, it was just like her abductors leading up to her abductors? There was, the yeah, group. that was part of the idea. They were um, supposed to be this sort of silent, maybe perhaps menacing presence, but at the same time, they were meant to be unobtrusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they weren't people per se, they were just sort of amorphous human forms i could use them to create any kind of a picture i wanted so we had a scene where she was talking on the radio and one of them after the two guys had set up the 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 stage had you know configured everything the way it needed to be for the scene and she sat down and she took her spot as the lights came up i had one of them kneel down down stage and put one finger to his ear and with the other hand he counted her in for the radio show and then he went backstage and um, there was another scene where they just set up three cubes in a row. One of them laid down on top of it. The other draped a flag over him. And that was her father's funeral. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, little mini budget creative ways we came up with of using both the space and the, the stage crew. Um, and, yeah, we worked on it. We worked real hard on it. We, we spent probably at least three days out of our rehearsal schedule were devoted to just working the transitions and it showed Mm -hmm. because you know not to brag on myself too much but it looked really good everybody told me it looked really good they were fast and they were seamless and like there was no hesitation everybody knew exactly what they were doing in what order and it was done Mm -hmm. and that's the thing it's like you you rehearse as actors all the time the the crew doesn't get there until tech week which for those who aren't in theater um it's literally one week before opening that the tech crew gets added to the the process. Um, and it's actually known as Hell Week. Yeah. Tech Week <laughs> is for the technicians. Um, at that point in time, the actors should be off book. They should know they're blocking. There should be no asking what's going on. They, they really should just be running the show and pausing so that tech can be integrated. Um, and it is the time for people don't, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's the time you set up the lights and it's the time you set up the sound, but it's also the time for the tech crew to rehearse. Mm-hmm. And it's the only time that they get to rehearse. Um, and that time as an artist needs to be respected because that is their art. Um, and in the same way that the actors need to rehearse their characters, the, the tech crew needs to rehearse their art because their art also involves keeping people safe. And making them look good. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, but yeah, I know, like, you know, we there, there are plenty of, of articles if you go online and search, like, how are theater people helpful in the real world? Um, there's plenty of articles about the well, skills you learn in taxes. theater. Well, no, the, the actual skills you learn in theater to, to be useful at a non-artistic job. Well, <laughs> I was, it, it was You know, we were just discussing earlier that you know, we have a particular set of skills where we have uh, stage managers have like a look and a voice where it's, it's kind of like a kindergarten teacher where it's like, <laughs> we're normally your mother. If I look at you the certain way, you know, you messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there are certain people out in the world not doing what they're supposed to right now. And that's actually something that we would actually be fairly good at because it's something where you're like, you, we're not going to stand here and we're going to argue you're going to do this. Or this is going to happen because, like we say, it's not safe. That's a very good way to put it is that the stage manager is effectively the, especially the casts, but also yeah. to a certain extent the crews is well, just that, the production's mother. Well, and that's Even a, if the stage manager is a man, that man is your mom until and, the show is over. And the thing is that is another skill. Like the best, like stage managers will say constantly, I'm not your mother, I'm not your mother, I'm not your mother. In a way they are. 
but it's you know they are that's like my you know my cast i i joke around i'm like i don't know why they like me i threaten their lives regularly but the thing is they know i'm kidding and the thing is when they when they see the look they they know they're just like oh this this is bad because you know we've overstepped Yeah. yeah yeah and and you have to have that rapport because it's you know it's like we've said before, you know, artistic people are, are, you know, sensitive souls and somebody may be having a good day. And you also need to know how, how to get what you need out of people. Um, and so that's why, you know, certain people are better at stage management and certain people are I'm like, go play with your saw and don't talk to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're that's really good at what you do. What you do is not this. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a thing. And I mean, Guilty. there's, <laughs> there's also a people. point at which, you know, there are certain there are certain places, there are certain professions in theater where you, you need to be like, say, super organized and be able to figure out projects and rearranging that kind of stuff on the fly. Like when I was a technical director, you know, you you're basically responsible for the entire build getting done. You've got a crew. You have to know those you have to know the skill level of every single person on your crew you have to know the the types of projects that they're particularly good at the types of projects they enjoy the types of projects that maybe they're a little slower at but they'll be more accurate than everyone else um the types of projects that they can bang out in 20 minutes and it it'll be fine you know it'll be accurate enough um and then you have to balance all of those working types with what's actually needed for the set um and get every single piece of the set done uh and it's you know a lot of times you have like a two-week build window to do that maybe you have a four-week window to do that if you're super lucky um but it's you know it's it's one of those things where you know knowing your knowing the people who you are working with and knowing the people who are working for you uh is something that that helps regardless of any job you know in in a in a carpentry shop, it's a very physical thing, and you're you're making a lot of these decisions based on what's safe. Uh, but the, those skills don't really go away when you say, um, "I became a legislative assistant for a while, and I had a series of interns who would come through because they were interested in politics or they were interested in the campaign." And you start to kind of quickly learn to assess, like, what's their strong point? What do they really like to do? You know, is is one of them just going to jump into an organization project and you turn around and suddenly everything looks great? You know, is another one just super interested in, like, responding to constituents and, and hearing them out and getting their information into the database and, like, corresponding with them about the issues? And you kind of figure out who you've got, what days, how much needs to be done, how they can, you know, how they can assist you so that you can get your job done. Um, which is super fun. <laughs> and I, uh, the other thing I've noticed that really um, translates, or at least the, uh, this is asked for a lot out in, in other jobs, is scheduling skills, both <laughs> with human resources and regular resources. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, you have you have a crunch of when things are being delivered, when uh, the prior set is going down, so when you can have the stage, stuff like that for your build. And, you know, stage manager, you have, well, when is everybody's schedule? When do I have the band? You know, when can these people be here? You know, when when can I have the stage? All this stuff. Um, so I see all these jobs are like, are you able to schedule people? I'm like, am I able to schedule people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't even want to know about my scheduling abilities. It's like I sit down and I come up with my line schedule and then the next morning I have to redo it. <laughs> and, you know, in a similar way... Um, 
the particular career track that I've taken has uh, given me a lot of opportunities to practice budgeting mm -hmm. um, because I have spent about 10 years working for a lot of smaller theater companies. And, yep. and um, you know, that's where I'm happiest, honestly, because I feel that smaller companies have a, a stronger sense of camaraderie yeah. and um, uh, one gets a, a great deal more uh, creative latitude with a smaller company as well. And that's what I really most enjoy. Um, and with smaller companies, the, you know, they're not quite as corporate. The budget isn't broken down into as many different earmarked categories. Somebody will just be, tell me someday, you know, you have $3,000 to build the set. And out of that $3,000 comes uh, not only the materials to build the set, any tools I might need, all the all the fasteners and, and hardware and paint. adhesives and everything, paint. <laughs> uh, the U-Haul truck mm -hmm. to get the set from the shop to the theater comes out mm -hmm. of that budget. The help to load the U-Haul truck comes out of that budget. The any dumpster afterwards to throw that set out when it's done. <laughs> or I sneak around the corner and use somebody else's, but we don't talk about that. But yeah, it's, uh, just the ability to sort of stretch and massage and know the limits of the amount of money you have to work with has been a tremendously helpful skill. And uh, boy, I really got thrown into the deep end with it about three years ago. But um, yeah, it's, no, it's I mean, but I feel like that's how everybody is with budgeting. Stuff. Yeah, it like, really uh, it's it's helped me in a lot of different ways. My first interview for a technical director, one of the things he asked was like, the budgeting stuff the current technical director is doing is that something you're comfortable with and i was like well i'd, I'd do it for me like <laughs> i have money that comes in every month and i have to pay my rent and my phone bill and all the other utilities and stuff so i mean it's not that far off you've given me a number for what i need to build the show i go through and figure out what is necessary to buy to build the show and if the two numbers are very far off, we talk to the designer to figure out how to make them less off. You know, like <laughs> it's, you know, and it's when you put it that way, it sounds super simple, but it's actually very complex as you're going because, you know, you have to take into account what can be made out of stock that you already have. Then you have to take into account like, okay, does all do all of these flats that are drafted at four foot one inch really need to be four foot one inch? Probably not. They're going to be four foot because uh, that's what cheap that's goods come the in. way we do it. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing. The next theater I end up technical, technical directing for, we are going down into the cellar or wherever the storage happens to be, and we are getting rid of all of the custom doors. Oh, my God. If it's not 30 doors. inches or 36 inches wide and exactly 80 inches tall, it's going in the trash, folks. Yep. You should go take a look here before you leave. Seriously, you break my heart, uh, the ability, it's, it's funny because the longer you are a technical director, the more you learn to throw stuff out. Oh, I it am becomes, the dumpster filling this technical director that ever has existed. It literally like just it. becomes the joy of your life <laughs> when you can throw stuff in a dumpster. It's wonderful. You remember all those doors we had in the basement at Virginia Stage that are never going to be used again? Uh, we had like a hundred doors down there. Did, didn't they all wind up covered in sewage and in a dumpster. Oh my God, did they, they get swept away in the, the, I'm, I'm the poop nami of, I'm of, pretty of certain, days of yore? I'm pretty certain they got swept <laughs> away in the season 30 poop nami. Um. I don't see another skill I feel like everybody picks up to an extent. It's some marketing. When you're mm -hmm. in a show, you market it to your friends. Uh -huh. When you're working backstage, you market, you're like, look at this awesome set I did. Mm -hmm. You talk about, hey, here's what we got at the theater. Then you learn to market your skills. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I came up with words for my resume. Like, you know, 
I, I scooped shaved ice. No, I am an ice maintenance technician. There you that's, go. That's what you go for. <laughs> I mean, that's what you were, though. That's, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's, it's a matter of, uh, especially for people who are starting out, take a look at what you're doing. Um, and especially for people around this time who are looking to get into other career paths because we get it. Everything's super rough right now. Um, and it's going to be really hard to remain in this in this career while basically it can't happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, take a look at what you've done and take a look at, you know, beyond, okay, I was a lighting designer. I turned lights on on stage. Great. Okay, but what else did I have to do? Like there was problem solving in there. You know, there was there was some dealing with physics in there. There was a lot of math that happened in there. Um, there was purchasing that happened in there. You know, I you I figure out what gel colors I have to use, then I have to figure out what's in stock and probably buy some. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of other skills that that go with every position. Um, so you know what what I did when I was first starting to try to develop a resume that that would work outside the industry um, is I literally Googled the word soft skills and then tried to figure out how many of them I'd actually just done in theater and not realized I'd done. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that's extraordinarily helpful is learning how to describe tasks that seem mundane to you in ways that sound official. Oh, yeah. Like going to the store is procurement. Mm-hmm. Uh, reserving a U-Haul truck is interorganizational coordination. I mean, I mean, if you want to get super creative, I, yeah. But I mean, at I the massage same, the heck out of my resume. I, I'm I not going to lie. About yeah, it. I do. Well, um, and the same time, property like, costume uh, sanitization. Intellectual yeah. property costume sanitization. No. I'm going to need you to break that one down for me. That's a new I don't one know that me. she can. <laughs> that's a, I get costume sanitization. Uh-huh. Uh, intellectual they, property, I'm not... Intellectual property is a censorship term right now, and she'll get it off air. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. But, uh, but yeah, no, and it, I mean, what it comes down to is, like, have you been the head of a department that's had to share the stage with other departments? There's your interdepartmental coordination yep. right there. Um, oh, it's geez. You know, <laughs> yeah. so much. So so many times. And, I mean, that's that's the thing is you, you figure out, you know, all of those things are actually very helpful to to people who work in offices, to people who work in other businesses. Um, and they, you know, it's just a matter of if your resume just says show name, title of what you did on show, uh, date, they're not going to understand all of the work that goes into it because most of the time, you know, part of why we started this podcast was so people could see what happens backstage, what happens off stage, what happens in admin, all that kind of stuff. A lot of times you don't, see that at all so people who just kind of come and watch a show and then leave you know they say you're a lighting designer they think like oh well, cool you turned on the lights you know and it's there's a whole lot more to it well like a, a good example here that maybe not, not necessarily at other um houses is if you're a lighting designer here you're gonna have a little at least a smidgen of fly rail experience mm-hmm. yeah you're um, also probably going to have a lot of electrician experience mm-hmm. because we like most uh smaller theaters if you're if you're the lighting designer 90 percent of the time you're also your own master electrician and 
as often as not, you're going to have to shoo the raccoons out of the breaker box. That's wildlife <laughs> management right there. <laughs> that's that's the one thing we've never had. We have that never is, had a raccoon. Nope, we, we've, had a, we've had a mutual theater with that issue, I'm pretty oh, certain. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there was also, I remember being, um, I house managed for a theater in upstate New York for one week. Um, it was the end. I was their technical director. Their house manager had to go back to college. Um, I was going to be there anyway because I had to be there for strike. They were like, can you house manage? I was like, all right, what is involved? And they were like, you know, deal with any issues that might come up customer service wise, get everything started, count the tickets. Cool. Yeah, great. Um, it also involved calming the actors down when Artie the chipmunk decided to go running <laughs> through the dressing rooms. We filed that under other duties as assigned. That's wildlife um, <laughs> management. I'm telling you. No, but it's a you thing. You job like, at the park service tomorrow. You work in theater. Yeah. Uh, fun times. All right. On that note, we should probably start wrapping up for the night. Uh, but yeah, um, thanks for thanks for being with us. I think we've had some uh, some good discussion here. Yeah. Well, thank it's you nice. so much for having me. Real quick before we go, I know we're like eating up some time here, so I'll try to make this quick. But I am I'm I want to say again how extraordinarily pleased I am that y'all are doing this podcast, and I personally am a fan. I listen to every new issue, every new episode the day it drops, and I hope a lot of other people do too, and I hope that you're able to use it to get a lot of people involved in this theater, because uh, community theater, as I said before, is the reason I have a professional career now, and the Little Theater of Norfolk in particular literally saved my life. So, thanks. Aww. Aww. I will say you also then, when you finish the most recent podcast, you message us immediately and demand that we stop what we're doing. And make and another make episode. The next one. Yeah, thank you for finally <laughs> listening to me about that. <laughs> we'll go with that. All righty. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. All right, and now it's time for our community feature. Every episode, we feature a member of the community as they show off their particular talent or interest. Uh, if you would like to be featured, please email us at info at ltnonline.org using the subject line ghost light so that it gets to the correct department. Uh, please keep in mind when you're coming up with your proposal for us that this is an audio medium and a somewhat family-friendly community, and we don't have a budget. So your talent needs to be original work or public domain for the moment. Uh, today in our community feature, we are featuring Jim Bullitt, who will be playing his song Catastrophic Thinking for us later in the segment. Welcome, Jim. Hello. How you doing? Thanks for Pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Um, so tell us a little about yourself. Like um, I am a retired public school teacher. I taught English um, in the Virginia Beach Public Schools for 30 years. Um, and um, I've been teaching part-time at TCC um, for the past eight years. Um, but I've always been a musician uh, on the side. Um, and but, but since, I guess, since junior high school, I started playing in a rock band. Um, and so the past 30 years or so, I, I've been writing songs and collecting them and putting them out periodically on, on CDs that are independently produced. Um, I get played on WHRO, WHRV sometimes. Um, and I do, you know, whatever, whatever gigs I can get. Um, but, um, it's, 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 it's been a hobby, but it's, I've, I've had enough success that I have sort of taken it seriously. So. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that's a pretty long time to have one hobby in, in my world. So like, yeah, I would yeah, think well, at this I, point in time. I, I, it's you know. a hobby because I, I didn't have the faith that I would be good enough to do it professionally. Um, 
And uh, so I had my teaching job and I held on to that. And um, I had two kids to raise and, you know, other responsibilities. So um, it always was sidetracked. But in the past, you know, the past 10 years or so, I've, I've had a lot more free time um, and uh, my kids are grown. And so uh, I've just been really pouring my energies into songwriting. Nice. Awesome. So, um, so tell us a little bit about uh, the song that you'll be playing for us later in the segment. Um, it's called Catastrophic Thinking. And I know uh, the like back end of all this that everybody doesn't get to see is like we went back and forth a couple of times and you were like, oh, I have all these songs. I could get this one or that one. And like we, we landed on this one and we, you know, then we had to pick which version of this one. So like talk us through a little of that. Okay. Um I, uh, like I said, I've been writing songs for about 30 years. Um, most of my early songs were very personal, things about my family. Uh, my first CD was called The Family Album, all about, you know, becoming a dad and losing my aging parents and things like that. Um, and then as I got older, I started trying to develop more of a, um, more variety and, and more sort of um, universal ideas and themes. Um, and so, uh, recently I've just tried to write about anything, uh, that's of interest to me and that's been kind of fun. Um, and my son, a few years ago, gave me a book for Christmas. It was this, um, paperback, um, book of, of comics by some, art, um, some comic that calls himself the oatmeal. I have no idea what the guy's real name is. Um, but, um, very familiar he, with the oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. But he does, the, he does these, uh, these strips on, on cats and their, their sort of devious ways. And there's a, um, there's a short segment on, um, your cats trying to kill you. Um, and <laughs> I being a cat owner and, and delighting in my cats, but also being very suspicious of my cats. Um, you know, they're very mysterious creatures. Um, I just took some of, some of his ideas uh, and just ran with it and, and wrote a song. So I can't, I can't take complete credit for the idea. I mean, the book is entitled, I think, um, uh, How to Tell If Your Cat's Planning to Kill You. So it's, uh, <laughs> that's the first line of the song is almost directly taken from that. But, but other than that, it's just me sort of playing around with the idea. And I, I thought I came up with a neat arrangement. It's, it's um, um, very much a folk tune, but it, it has kind of an unusual time signature and an interesting little riff to it. So um, I'm in the process of making a CD now um, with, um, with Zach Motes um, of the Dharma Initiative. Uh, and um, he suggested, he said, it sounds kind of like Jethro Tull. If you remember the 1970s, Jethro Tull, <laughs> yes. uh, sort of a folk rock thing. Uh, and so we produced it with um, mid, uh, sort of Renaissance flutes and all kinds of interesting instruments on it. Um, but the, the recording that, that folks will hear today is just me and the acoustic guitar, because that's what, if anybody comes out to see me, I do, I do play out fairly often these days, um, that's what they'd hear. And it is, it's probably yeah. my, most, my most requested song if I go out to play someplace and they know me, they'll say, play the cat song, play the cat song. So that is uh, uh, literally uh, when uh, Bill came yeah, up no, with it, you as a- No, it doesn't, it doesn't really reflect my, my oeuvre particularly well, because mostly I write about being old and being a dad and all that kind of thing. But um, it was just, it was a lot of fun to write. Oh, yeah. Well, and we all need some fun right now. And yeah, I know I think that was like, Yeah, and I was thinking it's particularly right now with the uh, people being more and more familiar with their pets because of the lockdown, um, they're starting to learn more about their behaviors and maybe suspect them a little bit more, so. <laughs> yeah, I've seen so many pictures of people who are just like, uh, my cat is very confused as to why I don't leave the house anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is my spot. What's the matter with you? 
right? You've got the cats who are like, why aren't the humans leaving? And the dogs who are like, this is great. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and that, you know, it, it's a thing. We all, we're, we're all going to get through it somehow. And if your cat can help without killing you. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's good. And I do love my cat. I do have a, a, a 14 year old cat, a tuxedo cat named Marley. And he's the inspiration for much of the imagery in the song. So. Aww. Love to see it. And I think actually, I think actually that in this recording, he is, he's featured at the end. You'll hear his little voice um, meowing. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Does he like it when you, when you play? Like, is he... no, no, he's, it, I mean, he, he, he always, well, like most cats, you know, he, he bothers me when I'm most busy. Like if I'm trying to record something, he'll come and start whining and uh, nibbling at my knees and that sort of thing. Um, but, um, no, he seems, he seems to, uh, be soothed by music in general. So. Okay. I know I, I used to work for the symphony and a lot of the symphony members would tell me that their dogs specifically, uh, whenever they would go to practice would come and sit in the room and wait for them to start doing scales and just start howling at them. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, he, no, they're participating. <laughs> right. He does, he does occasionally sing along with me, but, um, it's, it's rare. So he usually is kind of sequesters himself off somewhere else so nice all right um well okay so is there anything else you want to tell us or any organizations you want to send shout outs to sure yeah um a couple things the uh the national what is it called national songwriters association international nsai uh it's something i'm a member of they meet once a month and um it's helped a lot uh as, as a songwriter it's someplace where you can go and um bring your songs and have other people who write songs, um, listen to and, and give you feedback on. So that's kind of cool. Awesome. Um, I am playing tonight. Um, I think this is my last one of the, of the year at uh, Why Not Pizza out in uh, Virginia Beach, Lanstown. Um, and um, uh, I've been doing a series of, op um, of songwriters, um, songwriter circles uh, for, for the Ziders American Dream Theater. Uh, we've been do, we've been doing them virtually. There, there are three of them in there on the website. But um, hopefully, we're going to do some live ones uh, once we get back to some semblance of normal. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so you you're saying you're playing tonight tonight. Uh, I'm playing tonight tonight, right? So, so, yeah. so by the time this airs, uh, <laughs> it'll be, you won't be playing. Oh, that's what I figured. Yeah. 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 Um, but the your stuff at Zaiders is that kind of an ongoing. Yeah, like like I said, there 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 are three that are already recorded and are available on the Ziders American Dream Theater oh, website. Cool. Uh, gotcha. They're called the Z Unplugged, um, and we're supposed to do more of them and and possibly do some live ones um, once uh, the theater opens up to to the public. Awesome. So. Well, I know we're we're over here at Little Theater in Norfolk rooting for them too because yeah yeah it's been rough for all of us. So we're... Well, I I believe it. This is a wonderful opportunity to do something creative so yeah i know we definitely we just wanted to kind of you know we needed to do something while while we couldn't be open so right i was telling uh uh one of the last uh people i interviewed we have this huge theater that we can't have people in and it kind of makes a interesting sounding podcasting recording studio oh yeah sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> until the motorcycles or trucks go by on the street and right outside <laughs> of the wall that i'm sitting next to and then you're like Mur. oh shoot, that's i guess that's right. just in the recording now <laughs> environmental noise yeah. right um but yeah so uh 
I think we can kind of wrap up here. Um, so if anyone wanted to uh, follow Jim on social media, you've got at Jim Bullet Music. That's J-I-M-B-U-L-L-E-I-T music, like music, y'all. You should be able to spell that. Um, and he's also got a website, which is uh, J-R-B-U-L-L-E-I-T. So jrbullet.wixsite.com slash songwriter. Uh, so you can head there to his website if you need it. We'll also try to remember to put that in the notes. Um, but I know that on some places where we put notes, they don't link properly. So you may just have to copy and paste it'll be fine. Um, so yeah. The, web, the website's a great source for just general information. I've got all my, all my past recordings on there and links to everything and articles from the newspaper and things like that. So awesome. Sweet. Yeah. So check that out. Um, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time to share with us today. Uh, Thank you so much for having awesome. me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. And so now to everyone listening out there, you finally get to hear Jim Bullitt's song, Catastrophic Thinking. Your cats are trying to kill you They tirelessly plot your demise You think that they're playing But it's practice for slaying you some night Just as you close your eyes You feed them, you pet them, you groom them You buy them the treats that they like You think that they're purring But they're really conferring Deciding the best time to strike you can believe that they're innocent But you're sure to be caught unawares Trust me, it's surely no accident That they sleep at the top of your stairs Your cats are intending to off you As onto your bedspread they creep you think that they're dreaming, but really they're scheming to asphyxiate you in your sleep. You tell others that they adore you, from whiskers to dainty white paws. But I've got some news for you, they'd just as soon gore you or slash you with their vicious claws. You can believe you're their favorites, that they need you to see to their care. But cats are quite independent and they'll dine on your carcass I swear your cats are determined to end you so I hope that you'll heed my advice escape while you can before they hatch their plan or you'll wind up like so many mice Right, and we are back. Yes, you have been listening to Ghostlight, the podcast of the Little Theater of Norfolk. In case we don't say that enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review so that more people can find us. We are currently on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Castbox, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Yes. I will throw in here if you want to speak to. 
the lady that's in the box that's on your dresser from Amazon. Yes. Um, or say, the lady that's in your phone um, who uh, is created by uh, Apple. They, 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 both of this, yes. this phrase works for both of them. You say their name and you say, play the podcast Ghostlight Norfolk. Yes. It worked for my phone. It worked for Nina's lady. So <laughs> all of your AI who shall not be named uh, should be able to understand that com- particular command. Um, and we will not say their names because we don't want to wake up everybody's devices, including the one that I'm using to record this podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fun. Um, also, uh, just a reminder, if you have experience working in the gig economy, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call and leave a voicemail. Uh, our number for the podcast is 757-632-3281. Uh, remember that all voicemails need to be under three minutes or Google will hang up on you and we just won't get your message. Uh, alternatively, you can write to us at info at ltnonline.org using the subject line Ghostlight, uh, and we will read your email on the air. But please keep in mind, if you pick that method, we get to put the inflection wherever we want. All right. So with that, we want to thank again Nick Thornburg for being with us. Do uh, you want to plug with any contact info or social media? Uh, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Nick, that's N-I-C underscore Thornburg, T-H-O-R-N-B-U-R-G. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as Nicholas Thornburg. Beware. I am unfiltered on my Facebook page. And uh, if you want to look at some of my work and maybe throw me a job offer, if you like what you see, I am on the wider internet at Nicholas Thornburg. That's all lower lowercase, no spaces, no punctuations, dot wixsite.com slash nthornburg. And is it Nicholas, is that with an H? That is. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-T-H-O-R-N-B-U-R-G. Excellent. I've been practicing that one for about 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a thing. Um, Every time I go to the DMV, I have to have an argument with the people there about how my first name has two words in it, and I don't have a middle name, and I'm like, okay, how long have you known me? 15 (laughs) seconds? How long have I known me? Oh, 30-some-odd years? Thanks. I think I know my name. Uh, Yeah. Um, Anyway, moving on. If you would like to follow the Little Theater of Norfolk, uh, you can do so on Facebook at Little Theater Norfolk. That's L-I-T-T-L-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E because we're like that. N-O-R-F-O-L-K. And at Instagram, it would be at little underscore theater underscore Norfolk uh, because we love underscores apparently. Um, and, uh, I think if there's nothing else, then we will leave you as we leave the theater each day by saying good night. Good night.